Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Time for another episode of the Tennis.com podcast hosted by the one and only Kamal Murray. My name is Mitch Michaels and I'm the Tennis Channel podcast manager. And Kamal Murray at his WTA 500 event in Chicago where he was the tournament director got the chance to sit down with many of the women in the field for some 15 to 20 minute in-depth discussions about their career, their path to tennis, who they fear on the court, all that you want to know, all that you haven't heard before about some of your favorite players in the WTA. And today's episode is the first of several episodes to be released with a couple of those interviews. First up, Kamau chats with American Shelby Rogers, fresh off the heels of her incredible win over Ash Barty at the US Open. Shelby discusses her first time being in Chicago, some of her favorite things on the tour, and what it's like to be a Charleston legend. It's Kamau Murray with Shelby Rogers, first up on the Tennis.com podcast. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast, featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are here with Charleston legend, Shelby Rogers. And before we get started, Shelby, I have to tell you, the first time I came to Charleston, I landed, I was at baggage claim, and I had my tennis bag in my luggage. And three people walked up to me and said, oh, you play tennis? Have you ever heard of Shelby Rogers? She's the pride of Charleston and the best player ever. I was like, I have heard of Shelby, and she's the nicest girl I've ever met, and I'm so happy to be in her town. And now, now I know she's a local celebrity. So how does that feel to be the pride of Charleston? <laughs> Gosh, thanks for the kind words, Kamal. I'm blushing already. Um, no, it's great. I have so much pride being from Charleston. It's an incredible city. I'm so fortunate to be from there, to grow up there, and just have that low country blood, you know? It's, I love going back. Um, it's an amazing city, and I just want to make that city proud. You know, it's funny. So my first time in Charleston um, at the Volvo Open, we were looking at the order of matches and like every day you kept playing at night. And that was when I was like a rookie sort of coach. And I was like, why does Shelby keep playing seven o'clock at night? And then I turned on the TV and like the whole stadium was full. And I was like, okay, now I get it. Nighttime tickets, hometown girl. That's kind of how that works. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, I'm one of the, you know, blessed players that has a hometown event. Not everybody gets that experience. And it took me a bunch of years though to be able to play there. I would get so nervous, you know what I mean? It's just a different pressure. Like you have so many familiar faces in the stands and people shout out your name, people calling you nicknames from high school, whatever it is, you know, it's just a different atmosphere, but it's so much fun. And I just wish every player could feel that at some point. Yeah, I say that because I think that like in the States, we've seen so many tournaments like disappear. And I always think that it's hard to like grow tennis in America without having tournaments in big American cities. So like obviously everyone can't come to New York. Um, ticket prices are like, you know, 250 bucks uh, and it's one year, but like tournaments like Charleston, uh, like Indian Wells really do kind of help, you know, grow the bottom, right? To try to popularize the sport. Because I think, 
you know, one of my, I have a lot of friends, they play basketball, and they always laugh at me because I play the runt sport. <laughs> like, oh, you play like the seventh most popular sport in America. It's not like basketball, baseball, football. So do you think that, you know, now they have like these academies in Charleston. Do you think that the tournament sparked those academies or do you think it's vice versa? Yeah, I mean, you make a lot of good points there. I think tennis is definitely growing, and I love to see it. And it's it's these cities that get behind the sport, right, and are able to promote it and are able to, you know, the whole community comes together to support these tournaments. And I find, I mean, I've been on tour, gosh, over, I think, 10 years now. Wow, I'm getting old. Come out. Um, but I see sometimes the smaller cities that where everybody gets involved with the event or comes behind to rally, you know, for this event. Some those are the best events that we play, you know? Sometimes when we're in the bigger cities, we're competing with NFL, like you said, basketball, you know, NHL. It can be a little bit tricky, but I think that, like you said, the academies are coming together in these cities. People are, you know, seeing the younger generation of tennis coming up, having a lot of success, and all of these different factors are creating this new wave of tennis fans, and that's what we need. So you're known as one of the nicest players on tour. Shelby's so nice. <laughs> But I remember a particular occurrence. I was like, oh, Shelby has a little mean streak to it. We were Ooh. practicing in Carson. And we were, like, doing two-on-ones, and there was some people there. And they were like, you guys can stop stopping the ball. Like, let's have a rally. Like, stop <laughs> stopping the ball. You're slowing down practice. And I looked. I was like, whoa. i never seen Shelby have that side. Oh, that's so funny. When was that? Oh, I you wonder remember. Was it before my knee thing? It was definitely before that. It was knee before thing. that. Okay. Before Man, that sounds like a rare day for me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, the, I definitely like to be efficient. That's one of my qualities. So it's probably uh, <laughs> stemming from that. You know, if you guys are stopping the ball, maybe I was missing a lot that day too. So we were having a lot of stops. I mean, you've been known to hit that's big. Great. You know, the ball was going a little bit deep and it kept, it was like, oh, no, play the ball, please. Keep the rally going. I was like, all right, Chief Shelby. Calling you guys out. <laughs> that was hilarious and that ever since then I was kind of afraid to like you know oh don't say that I'm not intimidating guys don't <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing I like that give me you know let people know I got a different side oh too. no when it's practice time Shelby doesn't <laughs> mess around um so you, you say you've been on tour 10 years you've been to all the slams tell me which one is your favorite you know, this question is always tough for me because each one brings something a little different, right? I would say overall, I'd probably put Australia at the top of my list. As an American, don't get mad at me for that, but I think it was the first sort of, you know, really great accomplishment. Like you're going all the way to Australia, you made it to the Australian Open. You know, it's so far away. Melbourne's an incredible city. They do such a good job to welcome you and they just treat the players unbelievable. I think all the slams are incredible though, but that one I think just for, I don't know, just because it's Australia, right? It just has a little bit something different for me. It's at the top. But then playing at the US Open as an American, I mean, you can't beat that. Yeah. So that's a very close second for me. Um, French Open, I've had great results there. It has a special place in my heart. Wimbledon, I love the history there. It's a little, little uptight. There are a lot of rules, you know, for me, but I do enjoy the grass so much. But I think that would be the order I'd, I'd put them in if I had to pick. So I always find, so as a coach, I always find that the US Open is the hardest one to manage mm. because it's hard to get practice courts. You got to leave like three hours early because traffic. traffic. You never know yes. you're going to get traffic, right? Yep. Um, and because it's in America, so many people ask for tickets. 
Yes, that's, and so that's a good point. You got to turn down like the dinner date. So I feel like that environment is the hardest to manage. It is stressful. And as an American, you're getting requests for media and different appearances and all this stuff. So there's definitely, you have a point there. There's more to manage in New York. The yeah. big city buzz, you know? Big city. <laughs> and Wimbledon, I find, is the most calm. Mm. And so it's like, okay, it's easy to get practice. You got a rangy, you got this. We walk to. Easy to practice if it's not raining, come out. Not... <laughs> 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 you know, sometimes you need a little day off. But it's like the same restaurant, the Razdu, Sticks and Sushi, Dog and Fox. It's like sort of so predictable. Good. And like if you're trying to like set a player up for like a slam success, I feel like that one makes it easier. The most controlled environment. Yeah. Where New York is like, hey, I want to go to this restaurant this day, this restaurant. And, my, and my, as I'm hearing the request, I'm like, food poisoning, potentially. I'm like, how about we just find <laughs> one place the first day, everyone go to bed, wake up, not sick, and let's go to the same place for like the That's next no two weeks. That's no fun. <laughs> Predict. We're not there for fun. We're there for work. That's true. That's true. You got to stay focused. No, yeah. that's, I would agree with that. And so what about Paris? Oh, Paris is good, but the rain right. is like sort of, I feel like it rains almost every day for like a part of the day. Um, and I find that it's hard to actually eat there. You know, like uh, Miss Cole, I go there to drink, but mm. I don't actually go there to eat. <laughs> um, and then like the hotel rooms are kind of small. They are very, the European <laughs> roots, but they're small in New York potentially too. Yeah. But I think, I think Paris, the biggest difficulty there is if you play a French player, right? You've oh. got to deal with the crowd. They are wild there. And the cigarette smoke, like walking to and from yeah. the court and you walk past everyone smoking that's, cigarettes. I'm like, this is that's a challenge. Yeah, this is a challenge. So I find like, you know, that it's hard to be in a room that's small for two weeks. So that's why I say this is like a little uncomfortable. You want the player to feel really comfortable and never want to leave. And I'm kind of like looking at those four walls. Like You got probably about a foot of height on me, though. So <laughs> <laughs> you need the, the extra long bed or something. That would be nice. I should put that in like my like next coaching contract, like yeah. extra long bed, first class if you make it to the quarters. Right, you know, right, some, right. all these other things that like I didn't know to ask for. <laughs> All right, so you know, one of the things I always say is that you never really get to know a tennis player because only one player holds the trophy, and that's the only like one or two players that get the mic, you know, the people who are still standing. So I'm going to ask you some tennis questions that maybe like our listeners won't know to ask, mm. but you'll know. Okay. All right, so <laughs> Wimbledon whites or coloreds? Colors, for sure. Okay. I mean, the, I'll give you an example why I say that. Okay, so this year at Wimbledon, I'm getting ready to go out to play. Made it through lunch without spilling anything on my outfit. That's a big win. <laughs> I get to the locker room. I don't know, I go to turn the corner or something. I like, I don't know, there was a player there. I kind of hit the wall or something. So there's like this black little dot on my shirt and it's driving me nuts. I'm trying everything to get it out, you know? But like the whites, there's so many things that can go wrong and just mess with you, you know? So I say colors Especially if you play fourth. You got to, like, eat breakfast <laughs> yes. and eat lunch and have a snack. Always bring a change of clothes <laughs> or two. <laughs> All right, so let's stay with Wimbledon with the whites. Court 18 or court three? 18. Mm, marathon. All right. <laughs> Brisbane or Auckland? Auckland. Linz or Luxembourg? Linz. I always got to celebrate my birthday there, I think, in Linz. I've only been a couple, one or two times, but it was really nice. I always celebrate my birthday in Asia, and it's kind of miserable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because every player has a story like this, like where they always celebrate their birthday or certain things they do. Yeah, you're always at a tournament. I remember 
I think like 2000, maybe 17, we were in Beijing for my birthday. And then we lost early. And then Kyrios and Jenny walked up to me, hey, I hear it's your birthday. And you know what? When you had a tennis tournament and it's your birthday, it kind of sucks because no one cares. So I'm gonna take <laughs> right. you out for pizza and basketball. I was like, all right, thanks bro. Cause you're right. It's gonna sit in my hotel room <laughs> when everyone else is sleeping in America and no one cares. Yeah, happy birthday, but I have a match, sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Gatorade or Powerade? Neither. Bananas water. or water. <laughs> Bananas or bars. Okay, on court, I could do a banana. Off court, you won't see me touch a banana. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Mm. I, it's a very work-related food for me. <laughs> Bananas. So sleep in or early practice? Early practice. Mm. I'm a morning person, 100%. Basket feeding or live ball? Ooh. I would say live ball. It's more fun. You can be competitive, right? But there's a place for you got to have the feeds too. You got to get that rhythm down, you know, and just feel the ball right in the middle of your string sometimes. Okay. But I'll go, I'll go live ball slightly. So team dinner or eat solo? Team dinner. So this is a tricky one. When you're flying, sit together or sit separate? Okay. This one is kind of irrelevant for me because I'm sleeping on the plane no matter what. So if you're sitting next to me, we're not talking anyway. I'm, you know, as soon as the air comes on, it just, I'm asleep. I mean, from the beginning to the end. So um, whatever they prefer, I suppose, because I'll just be uh, out, of, out of action. They're probably like, yeah, I'll sit in the back. You sit in the front. I was just on court with you. I'm still mad at you from practice. <laughs> yeah, probably. We can, let's like have a little space. Space is good. Um, hotel or Airbnb? Ooh, that's a good one. I want to say, after this year, I'm, I'm inclined to say Airbnb, but I really do like hotels. You get your room clean. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get fresh towels. You get, you don't really have to worry about anything. You get room service. It's pretty nice. I know. I like to like shave and leave my hair in the sink and come back and it's all <laughs> oh cleaned gosh. up. My wife hates that. But it was like, I'm so used to doing the hotel. Right. I was like, oh, someone's coming to clean this up, so I don't need it. Right. But after a year and a half of sort of this bubble thing, I'm... Like, oh, Airbnb sounds pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> so now you've had the chance to do several draw ceremonies. Who is the one player that when the draw comes out, you're like, please don't let me play this person? I think you could answer this for me this year. Ash Barty. Oh. I've played her like <laughs> every week this year. I love that girl, but we've played too much. Like, okay. Too much in one season. You know, I look at these players that have played 20-something times, you know, it's just... Yeah, we're, we're getting there. You've had enough of Ash. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> On court, off court, I'll see her all I want. You haven't done too bad, though. That was the first time I beat her in New York. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll take it, though. So you're like one for whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, now here's a hard one. Because, you know, there's always new players coming on tour. Best player that you know not in the top 100. Ooh. Can I say Julia Bozerup? <laughs> she doesn't even play anymore. But... We were just talking about best practice player of all time and oh like God. clean ball striker, like unbelievable. She's just the first one that popped in my mind. Outside the top 100 right now, gosh, that's so tough. What, Coco Vandeweghe? I mean, she's still coming back from injury. She's got an incredible serve. Yeah, that's one where you like, mm. Yeah. You can't wait for her to get back in the top 25 so yeah. you can like, she can be a seed and she can be properly placed exactly. and not like ruin she's the draw for somebody. She's a dark horse every week right now. You know, you don't want to play her first round. Right. That's tough. That is a good one. Mm. I didn't think about Coco. Mm. Well, Shelby, I think we've gotten to know you a little bit better. And I want to thank you for coming on the Tennis.com podcast. You are like a 
Charleston celebrity. Literally, if I ever need a reservation in Halls, I'm like, I'm, Ch I'm Shelby Rogers' friend. Great, great shout out there. <laughs> Let's go. Give a shout out to Halls. I love it. Best steak in Charleston. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the Tennis.com podcast. Good luck the rest of the year, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Kamal. Great questions, by the way. I was getting a little clammy hands there <laughs> answering some of those. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Next up, we have Kamal Murray chatting with the Tunisian. The Tunisian. Don't say that much about pro tennis players, but it's Anj Jabor, and she is a groundbreaker in every sense of the word. Anj Jabor joins Kamal Murray from his Chicago setup to discuss her life on tour, being a pioneer, and wanting to set up and start a tennis academy in her native Tunisia when the time is done. And what, how, I should say, did she plan her creative? How did she start playing her eclectic style? It's Anj Javor on the Tennis.com podcast with Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We have the Tunisian legend, Anz Jabour, here with us today. Anz, welcome to the show. Thank you. I feel like I earned the legend. Oh, you <laughs> Coming from you, it's unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm very happy today to be uh, here in, uh, in Chicago, you know. Ah, so you know, you brought Chicago up. So when we come to America, you got you know what LA looks like. You know what you know what to expect from New York. You see it on TV all the time. Lots of cabs and like traffic. Uh, you kind of know the good and the bad about Chicago. Um, but tell us what what's Tunisia like? I've never been in Tunisia, and I can't even I don't have a mental picture of what it's like. So tell us about Tunisia. Well, Tunisia is a very beautiful country that you should come and I invited you so many times, if you remember. Uh, well, see, <laughs> if you I don't, if you don't, then please come to Tunisia. Uh, we have uh, the perfect weather. Everything is great there. So uh, I grew up playing uh, a lot of tennis uh, outdoors. Uh, we don't have indoors, so uh, it's uh, it's a really good thing to to play tennis. And uh, yeah, it's a very nice country. We have a, a great food, so uh, you're very welcome to come. Do you cook? Um, Tunisia has good food. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I gotta talk to Kareem about that now. Yes. <laughs> he's the chef in the family. <laughs> oh, he does. He's the massage guy. He carries the balls. Yes. He carries the bag, and he has to cook. Yes. Woo-wee! <laughs> he got to put his pants on. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so, what about tennis in Tunisia? Because there's not a lot of Tunisian tennis players, and no. you are certainly the most successful and the first of to do everything in this sport from there. So. What's the game style like? When I look at your game, I'm like, somebody definitely taught her how to craft the ball, junk you, roll you, chip you, drop you, lob you, and do it all over again. Is that like a Tunisian thing, or is that like an ons? I just was made it up on my own thing. It's a mix of things, you know. I uh, I grew up having a very like a good coach uh, uh, gave me the freedom on the court to do whatever I like. So. Whatever I want to do, drop shot or, or lob or just uh, 
play like a different shot. He just let me be myself on the court and, and just correct me and, and show me a few things, you know. So uh, I was kind of free on the court doing whatever I want. Um, and Tunisia is a very small country. Uh, we grew up playing tennis uh, at, at club, but also at uh, hotels, you know, because they were like uh, the club med, a lot of uh, tennis courts there. So uh, it wasn't really a facility to play like tennis professionally. Mm. And uh, now I feel like um, we had like uh, Salim Asfar, Melik Jaziri, and, and me now, we're bringing this mentality of, uh, yeah, you're from Tunisia in North Africa, you can, you can make it one day. Uh, it, it was di difficult at the beginning not finding, you know, a tennis player from, from my country, but, you know, I think uh, given the example right now, uh, I feel and I hope I motivate a lot of new generation uh, to come up here and, and, and play and be top 20, be top uh, 10, and why not one in the world? than win a lot of Grand Slams. So tell us about being a female doing it from Tunisia. Because we know, you know, sometimes culturally there could be a challenge there, you know, letting you be free and sort of spread your wings and travel the world to, to maximize. Tell, tell us about being a female to do all this. You know, uh, Tunisia is one of the like more open countries than, than others. And uh, I feel like I didn't have that issue before. Or even now I uh, come very, uh, my parents are very open and uh, I, they wanted me to play tennis. Um, and it, it was easy enough for me to, to start and pick up a racket. Um, I've been judged before by, by, by other like people, but it's, it's their opinion. And I feel you, as a tennis player, as an athlete, you, you get judged all the time. Uh, like inside or outside Tunisia, so um, for me it wasn't a difficult thing. Uh, they they welcomed it, and I I feel now I inspire more and more females to to be on tour to to play tennis, and uh, it's a great thing. You know, um, I hope I can see more and more uh, players playing here, and uh, hopefully being with me on the tour. So you, you you keep talking about the next generation, and that's like so. That's exactly how I would describe you. Is you mm -hmm. you seem number one a free spirit. Number two, always thinking about others. You know, and whenever you see people, you like greet them so warmly, uh, crazy jokes. And do you aspire to create an academy? Yes. In Tunisia? Yes, yes. One of, uh, one of my goals because uh, I, I've been through a lot and I've been through like, uh, I made mis a lot of mistakes in my career and I feel like um, maybe they, they could like, uh, I'm not saying take a shortcut because there is no shortcut in this, but at least I can share my experience. I, I, I feel I can share like small tips with them to make them uh, be great athletes and why not open an academy and have the, the greatest facility that they could uh, train there and uh, be able to be professional tennis players. I believe that uh, the facilities are not just, uh, it, it must be there. I mean, I grew up without like uh, the greatest gym or the, the greatest technology ever, but you know, I've made it here, but I feel like if I had that, maybe I, I could have been uh, even better player now or uh, improving faster, let's say. Uh, for me, yeah, that's a very important thing, and uh, I want to show them the great mentality of being a professional athlete, uh, change little, little thing that they were thinking about before. Uh, it's kind of, you know, difficult not to have a, also a role model, you know, to, to like show, you know, I, I just did it, I, I'm from the same country, and, you know, you, you can do it one day, you know, why not? It's not the same as seeing Americans, French, uh, Australians, uh, that's a diff different mentality for us, and coming from my country, I feel that's a very different thing. So uh, I feel like if we have the same uh, nationality, it could be very different for uh, for the young generation. Well, let me tell you, it's hard work, you know, because <laughs> yeah, no, let no. me ask you this. So you say your parents wanted you to play tennis. Yes. Um, 
and that's, you know, obviously was a driving force. Would you be wanting, would you want to deal with a bunch of other tennis parents? Were your tennis parents kind of the crazy tennis parents? So it was like, oh, go have fun, see if you can make some of yourself, or were they like on a mission? Because, you know, coming from Tunisia, you don't just stumble upon a sport and happen to get good, right? Because there's not like a lot of lineage. Like in America, there's a bunch of good academies, right? You can go down to Florida, California, whatever. Um, but you got to be intentional in Tunisia to make a pro. Yeah. So were your parents crazy tennis parents? And would you want to have an academy full of those? I feel like uh, in U.S. there's a different, you know, uh, <laughs> issue. You know, you have so many places to go and you don't know where to go. In Tunisia, it's it's not the same at all. But uh, I gotta say, my parents were not that crazy. Uh, I was like fighting on like on the court in my mind, just like you deal with it, you know. And that's how I had this personality of dealing with issues alone. And uh, I know what parents are like. I know because I feel like to create a champion, you should also uh, speak to the parents, speak to the athlete, and it's. Uh, I think is a part of uh, of my job. If one day I open a, an academy, it's very important to to make the parents know that it's not an easy job and uh, and uh, you know it's a work of 24/7. And also make sure that the the players know the sacrifices that parents are doing right now. So it's 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 both. You know, you gotta find the right balance and uh, and deal with parents and and players. So let me tell you, as a coach. Uh -huh. <laughs> When the draw comes out, you are one of the players, uh -huh. no matter what your ranking is at the uh -huh. time, that would be like, please don't let us play aunts. <laughs> right? Really? Because of your style <laughs> and, you know, you show up and you just can craft and you can, you know, like sort of drive someone crazy. Who's the person for you that when the draw comes out, you're like, please don't let me play her? Uh, there is different... Uh D different players. Uh, I don't have names right now, but uh, you know, um, I'm a player that likes to have the the time to play and everything. So uh, you know, players who play boom, boom, boom. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like maybe second, third round. So I get used to you know enjoying myself on the court. But uh, yeah, there is few few different. I uh, always love to to play like uh, when I was like outside 100 or 200. Uh, play top 10 players, you know, play someone uh, famous is like to to be on the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you talk about you like to play the big player because, you know, they get put on the big court. Yes. Right? They get the prime time. So let me ask you a couple questions then. So would you like court three or court 18 at Wimbledon? Let me remember which court three. I never played on court 18 really? or three, I think. I'm Only not sure. Three? Court 18, I'm sure. But uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. Maybe 18, because it reminds me of the match of uh, Mau and Isner. Yeah, they ah, played there, yeah, right? That's, that's yeah, the that's famous a good, court. <laughs> good court. That's good court. Now, you got to have some, some good memories about Wimbledon, because that's where you won a junior title. Yes. Right? So you, you got to have, like, you know those grounds, like the back of your If I had to hand. pick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm playing a final at the US Open, it's like, nah, nah, I just wait for Wimbledon. No. <laughs> so then, let me ask you this then. Um, roof open or closed? Open. Definitely mm -hmm. open. You know, it's funny because it would have changed. Um, uh, I played the Sabalenka uh, quarterfinals in, in Wimbledon and uh, it was raining that day. So they had the uh, roof closed. And uh, I think it would have been a little bit of a different match if the, the roof was open. Better for me, uh, maybe harder for her if it was windy a little bit because she was serving really good mm -hmm. uh, that day. Uh, so I think a little bit of wind would have helped me. Ah, see that court was moving quick when that roof closes. Yeah, the, and the she loved it. Boom, quick. boom. <laughs> and you said you need time, so that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so now you, you obviously travel with a team, and you all are known for having a good time. 
uh, we've gone out to dinner a bunch of times together. So now, team dinner mm -hmm. or eat solo? Um, you know, we do, we do solo a lot of time because, uh, you know, we, it's good to find the balance uh, between like, because we're, we're together all the time, you know, we go out and have dinners and, but we are on court all the time. So it's nice to have that, that moment, uh, kind of alone, uh, having a dinner. But if, of course, we have a lot of, uh, dinners together and, and, and chat, which is very, very important, but I am not really for dinner every day together. <laughs> no. I like to chill and watch some, some movies, you know, <laughs> I like my own space sometimes. All right. So now hotel or Airbnb? Hotel. I, I like the service. And I like the service. You it's mean good. you like to come in, yeah, take no, your sweaty clothes, throw them on the, the floor, and let somebody else pick them up? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They take them and charge me, I don't know, for how much for the laundry. <laughs> All right. So Gatorade or Powerade? Man, I don't know. I, I can't even make the difference between both. Let's say Powerade. Say whoever's paying you. Maybe they right? sponsor me. Powerade. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, she's a Tunisian legend, the first of many. Come on, baby, you know. write the check, write the check. <laughs> uh, bananas or bars? Uh, bars. Oh, I hate bananas. Yeah, they, um, they don't, I don't digest good the bananas for ah. some reason, yeah. Favorite tournament that's not a slam? Chicago Open. Oh! No! <laughs> See, that's my girl. That's good. That, that's my, my girl. My answer may change, you know, oh, on yeah. the interview, <laughs> but... <laughs> We messed up your practice court. I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> no, okay. Um, best player you know, not in the top 100. What do you mean I know? Like, no, best like player best... on tour now, not in the top 100. Uh, I really don't, don't like these questions. Because no, I cannot hard. choose. See, I told you they were tennis questions. <laughs> I told you. This is stuff only we know. You know me. I get along with everyone. Like, I, like I'm... I mean, I best player in terms of, like, should be 50, but 125, right? Should be 50, but Should be 50 in the world, but 125 or 130 or 140. Who's the best player outside the top 100? Uh, See, when you get top 25 in the world, you don't even look. I do look. <laughs> I was going to say that I do kind of, but look. <laughs> I mean, she, she made her way, you know. From 150 she to didn't top need 25 me, you know? in, like, two weeks, right? <laughs> she didn't need me there. Uh, I have to see names. I, I can't. Uh, I can't remember who's in. So let me ask Venus. you. Venus. Hey. Yep. Oh. Whoa, that, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. So let me ask you this. So you know when Raducanu won the U.S. Open. Yes. I was looking at that, and I remember what that moment felt like. Mm -hmm. You know, back in 2017 when I was coaching somebody, and uh, I was like worried for her. Because it was so much so fast. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was from like her third WTA tournament. Of course, of course, yeah. Right? Her first title yeah. and first Grand Slam. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. You know, in, the, in, the, in London and, you know, the British community has been waiting for a champion to sort of emerge. I, I couldn't help but be a little bit worried for her. As a veteran on tour, what advice would you give to a young player who sort of wins a Grand Slam a lot, a lot earlier than expected. I think she will have to give me the advice how to win a Grand Slam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> she mean, doesn't uh, need me, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. But how to handle the success. No, but honestly, I'm very curious to know uh, what is it for Emma right now, you know? What she's, how she's going to play, how she's going to handle uh, like all the fame. Uh, 
you know, the money and everything uh, all of the sudden, let's say. But um, she seems someone very confident. Uh, she, she, I mean, I don't know, it never happened before. This is unusual. The whole situation is unusual. So, but I'm very happy for her the way she made it. She didn't waste <laughs> zero time. <laughs> and uh, she need to teach me that also, you know. And um, I mean, uh, I think she could handle this very well. Um, she seems like someone down to earth. I, I saw her a couple of times. Um, I think she knows what to do. You can see how she's on the court. But, you know, so many things are changing for her right now. Uh, she's a superstar uh, in the whole world right now. And uh, I'm very curious to see what she's going she's gonna to do. But I think someone uh, being in that level and winning a Grand Slam, they cannot really drop like very fast, you know. Um, and uh, I hope she will do good and, uh, and see her probably in Indian Wells if uh, I think she's going to come. So let's see. Excellent. She's, she's entering the world of premier mandatories where now you're top 25 and it's, it's amazing. must show Honestly, up. Honestly, it's amazing. Well, well, thank you for joining us. Of course. This has been Anz Jabor, the Tunisian legend, loved by all. People look at the draw and be like, please, first round, don't give me Anz because she's going to chop me up and and drop shot lob me to death. It's um, windy here. It's a, yeah, so you know you gotta watch the windscreen, yes. you know, so your drop shots, you know, it might land on your side of the net if you make yes. it too good, right? Thank well, you thank for joining you for us and me. good luck. It was very nice. Thank you so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last up on the Tennis.com podcast with Kamal Murray. For today's show, it's Jessica Faguglia, the American who is having her best year of her career at age 27. She joins Kamal to discuss a variety of things, including what it's gotten her to this point, becoming a pro tennis player, being surrounded by so many athletes, her mindset on the court, and some of her favorite traits about being a pro tennis player and what she hopes to accomplish in the near future. It's Jessica Faguglia on Tennis.com podcast with Kamal Murray. All right. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We have the pleasure of having one of the hottest, the most popular American players with us now. She's laughing, but it's the truth. Uh, American players right now, Jessica Pagula. Welcome. Yes, thank you. That was quite the intro. I'm just saying, you know, see, a lot of times you all don't see how people see you, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you see me, you all think I sleep a lot, <laughs> like when I'm sitting on the couch, like in the player's lounge, but I'm paying attention. Yeah. So you're like a locker room favorite. Oh. I don't know if you know that. Oh, that's nice. You're one of the, oh, Jesse, she's so nice. <laughs> Until she beats you. Right? And you're like, like, yeah, uh, I, fuck, I hate her. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's good to know that I'm a... I guess a locker room favorite. I'll take it. Well, I think you used to be. Last couple of years, maybe not so much because yeah. you like been kicking, you know, yeah. kicking a lot of but tail. That's okay. I'll I'll take that <laughs> as long as I'm winning. So you're kind of like a late bloomer, mm -hmm. right? You know, like when you were between 122, maybe some people from your class were having more success. Mm -hmm. But I think the past couple of years, you are like on the feared list. Yeah. On the uh, come up. What do you attribute that to? 
I, yeah, I think I was kind of a late bloomer a little bit. And then I had a lot of injuries and stuff like that. So I felt like I never got any momentum kind of like getting to the top. I mean, I was always like around 200 or something and I would have some good results here and there, but never like consistent enough. So I think really it was getting healthy and getting in better shape because that gave me a lot more confidence on the court that I could last in long matches and like week in and week out. So that was definitely, um, I think helped me mentally. And then mentally I was able to kind of use that to grow the mental side. So I felt like the physical helped the mental and then mentally I was able to stay in these matches and kind of get that confidence from that. So I think it kind of worked both ways. Yeah, you know, like I'd look at like a lot of people who have had like a lot one slams the past couple mm -hmm. years. They've like built momentum. So mm -hmm. you look at when when Ash won her first slam, mm -hmm. she was well, she went Miami. Yeah. And then Osaka won her first slam. Mm -hmm. She won Indian they Wells. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like, you know, sometimes and even Emma, you know, mm -hmm. she, you know, got to the finals yeah. of her second WTA tournament <laughs> ever, a quarters of Wimbledon yeah. and, you know, no, finals yeah. of a 125. Bianca, same thing. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. Bianca, same thing. So. Yeah. I think sometimes people underestimate not only that like, you'd be good and have yeah. a good draw, yeah. but you also have to have like some momentum. You yeah. don't just wake up and like, you know what? I'm playing well. I, I like this hotel. <laughs> I like my draw. I like my coach. I'm ready yeah. to win a slam. It's yeah, like yeah. It, it happens like through a series yeah. of. Well, you know, with Sloan, I mean, that's that's the same thing. Like it's I think maybe some people that don't follow it week in and week out don't kind of see that. but. I mean, we all know when we're at the tournament and you see the people who are doing well, like you kind of know who's hot and who's not. And that's why, like, I mean, you're not that surprised or maybe the rest of the world or the media is surprised, but you kind of know that that momentum has been building. And I think the depth is so good right now that anyone who can get that momentum like long enough and then kind of carry it into a slam can, can win. And I think that's what's been happening. Yeah, you know, you're right. I think, like, from a fan perspective, they only really get to hear from the winner. Yeah. Right? And so they, they forget how, like, she sent me three weeks ago. Then yeah. she sent me last week. Yeah. Then she got to the finals. So they don't really no. keep track of the momentum. They just kind of keep track of the yeah. person that holds the trophy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, it's like that momentum over a career is yeah so it's, important. Yeah, it's a big difference. Like, I mean, I don't think I was surprised that – Bianca won the U.S. Open. I don't think I, I mean, maybe Emma more than all the others, but when you look though, like, I mean, I'm not that surprised. <laughs> like I am, but I'm not. I, I am because she's with qualified maybe, but I mean, after seeing the people she's beat and the momentum she's had, and I don't know, you can kind of see it, it happening. And same thing with all the other players. So. So, you know, we see like a lot of young players emerging and winning mm -hmm. and, you know, you worry or you wonder, you know, how they're going to handle sort of the success. But like somebody like you who's been around mm -hmm. sports your whole life, been mm -hmm. around great athletes mm -hmm. your whole life, been in the locker room with these players. What advice do you, um, you know, give the young player um, who's going to come out and, you know, maybe get hot, get a win? We mm -hmm. saw, you know, Paulini win a tournament mm -hmm. last yeah. week or whatever. It's like, hey, you know, yeah. um, what advice do you give them, given the fact that you have experience in like, other sports and being around athletes from other sports? Um, I haven't really been around that many <laughs> athletes as people think. They're like, oh, you must talk to these guys, these guys, the football, hockey, all the time. I'm like, not really. But, <laughs> um, but no, I do. I think it's just more, I think we all kind of understand because we're all going through similar things. I think tennis is obviously different than other sports, most sports. But from like for advice for younger players, I would just say it's just, it's a marathon, not a sprint because it, there's so many, highs and lows week to week. I mean, you can win a slam in two weeks and you can lose first round the next tournament. Like it's, it really, tennis I think is different where it really knocks you down sometimes. Like it takes you off the high horse very quickly. And I think especially now when the depth is so good 
and there's people that are hot and like, you know, Paolini won a tournament last week. Maybe no one notices, but she could very easily beat someone pretty good here first round. I don't know who she plays, but, and people might be surprised by that or something like that. But I think it's just the highs and lows you have to, to balance that as a, as a young player. Um, from the positive and the negative. You know, I don't think you can get like super high and I don't think you can let yourself get too low because any every week is a chance to to turn it around and every week it's a different, you know, challenge. So time. you think about these young players now, even yourself, right? Who now you talk about those lows and mm -hmm. now you walk off the court and before you even turn your phone back on and get to the locker room, you've got 80 DMs from <laughs> fans or yeah. betters who yeah. are mad or yeah. pissed off because they bet their whole house on you. Yeah. How do you how do you navigate that challenge? I don't know why, but that stuff isn't I know some people really struggle with it. I honestly just don't look at them like I just don't look at it. And I know some people maybe it's hard, but I think you just have to either take it as make it kind of funny because it is ridiculous some of the messages you get <laughs> about even if you win, like if you win and they bet against you, they're like, you know, it's cursing at you, telling you all these horrible things, and you're just, you, I think you have to find some sort of comedic relief in it because it's ridiculous. But I just don't look or I delete them. And I actually don't even let people I don't follow comment on my pictures because sometimes I was like, my grandparents follow me, you know, and they'll comment, and then I get like these betters like cussing me out, and I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> so I actually just didn't let, I don't let anyone comment that I don't follow on my on my page. So usually people I follow aren't going to say those things. So um, that's what I do. But I know some people, players don't like to because, oh, it's not good for their social media, whatever. So it's one or the other. But I think you have to know, too, if you're going to be online a lot, that maybe that is going to happen and you're just going to have to accept it and try and not look at it. Mm -hmm. um, also, you can always report, block. I mean, you can do all that stuff and, um, you know, try your best, I think, just not even to to let yourself go down that hole of reading all of them, because then that's where you start getting annoyed and mad. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, historically, you know, athletes like in the Kleister's era and mm -hmm. Graf era, you know, they had like one voice, one coach, and mm -hmm. you could sort of control the mental yeah. sort of part of it. You yeah. talk about your mental uh, sort of strength that you developed over the years, but like now, I mean, a reporter can ask you a bad question mm -hmm. or like these DMs, yeah. you know, whether or not you know it, they do seep into your mentality. Yeah, they can call you a pusher in your next match. You're going out trying to smack <laughs> every ball, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, like, you're a like that one guy DM'd me and said that I suck. And you're like, ah. Trying to prove no. you're good, right? Yeah, they say, yeah. oh, you, you know, you're, your second serve sucks. And yeah. they're like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve all my second serves. Just <laughs> kick wide every time and show them yeah. I got a good second serve. Yeah. Um, but now, like, they can, like, really get at you and influence yeah. the outcome of these matches. Yeah. Um, you have the benefit of being 27. 27, yeah. right? Yeah. 27, learning to dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, and you have, like, seasoned folks around yeah. you, right? Yeah, like yeah. David yeah. and, you know, your fiancé mm -hmm. now. Like, you have the benefit of going yes. home to some adults. Yes. <laughs> where, you know, younger people yeah, are, like, I know. talking to their friends. Talk about David and the, the benefit of traveling with somebody who's, like, Experience. coached in multiple eras. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you know, David, he's pretty funny. He's pretty laid back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the benefit with him is just his experience. And I think that he's just, um, he's very calm about it. And it, he doesn't really let any crazy emotions kind of take over, whether it's a huge result or um, a bad result or whatever. Like, he's pretty good at just like going with the flow. When you have a good week, it's a great week. And he's, you know, he's pumped up, but it's not, you know, over the top. And when you have a bad week, he's like, you know what, it's fine. Like there's next week, um, you know, you had your chances, stuff like that. So I think it's just, he kind of gives me a sense of like calmness, I think when I'm out there and in practices and stuff like that, you know, I think um, I'm, I'm pretty laid back, but at the same time, you know, we all get frustrated or, you know, I can't hit a forehand today. I can't serve today. I can't do this. And he's pretty good at like, balancing that out for me at least so yeah I don't know if that's experience plus his personality and I think I just kind of mesh well with him but it's definitely nice like you said with all um you know social media and all that stuff like he's not really into that any of that stuff anyway so it doesn't really even come up in conversation but like you said it's like I guess I'm older and I have yeah like I'm about to get married I have a coach who's been through all this stuff so I don't know I'm not 18 growing up in this like media social media frenzy, which I'm kind of glad I, I wasn't. I was, I think I was just old enough to kind of miss that where, you know, I wasn't on Instagram when I was like 13, you mm. know what I mean? It wasn't a thing. So I kind of missed that little gap. So yeah, you mentioned David and his dry sense of humor. He'll like <laughs> say something dry. and you don't realize it's funny too. Like, really, <laughs> it's, like, it's so dry. <laughs> Now, how did you get him to come out and coach? Because I remember, like, when he stopped with Venus, mm -hmm. he was like, man, I got six kids. I got to go home to my kids. I was like, well, yeah. I got three. He's got, I think he's got eight. Eight. Well, four. <laughs> four and four stepkids. But they're all, like, around the same age. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, when he stopped, I was like, oh, he's definitely going to go home and be dad. Yeah. How I mean, I guess he was for, I, I think he was a my couple years? No. Yeah. Year and a half, two years. Yeah, nah. not, lo not long. Not and that he, long, he, I guess. And he popped up with Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, one guy, Adam Gusky, I don't know if you've ever met him or remember his name. Mm. He played at Duke, and he actually grew up playing with David around the same age. And Michael, that's actually how I started with Michael Joyce as well. So honestly, he just, like, I think he just, like, messaged him, I don't know, on Facebook or something like that. And because um, he saw that he was done with Venus, he's like, oh, I'll just reach out to him. He hasn't talked to him since, I don't know, like juniors or something like that. And um, David, you know, remembered who he was and played with him growing up. So that's really just how it started. He came to D.C., I think, after Wimbledon for a trial for like four or five days. And then we were going to use D.C. as a trial. And then I won D.C. And, and we just kind of kept going. And um, yeah. It was that good. always helps. Yeah, it always helps to start off really well. I don't know what it is because the first time me and Sloan got together, she won Auckland. Was it Auckland? Yes. Oh, and then really? she won. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Didn't I she think win I'm DC? Great. Or no, that was, that was a while ago. Okay. That was like year I was before. Say, it was the same. But I was, it's like the honeymoon where it's yeah. like you, you mesh with somebody and all of a sudden yeah. you win your first tournament yeah. and the coach feels like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I remember that. And then I remember I went to China and did terrible. And I was like, oh, like the, the honeymoon phase went down real fast. But no, it was it was a good experience from the from the start. And like I said, I think our personalities really meshed well. And that's it's important because you're I mean, I'm with him more than anybody, like, you know, more than friends, family, fiance, like, you know, so you have to get along. Yeah. So tell us about the Olympics. Mm -hmm. You know, the last couple of Olympics, you were watching other people represent the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was a different Olympics, obviously, with no fans, but still um, a big one. Tell us about that experience. Obviously, you know, if you ask players if they take Grand Slam title or Olympic gold medal, most mm -hmm. of them would say Grand Slam for sure. Yeah. But the experience is one yeah. that people are really curious about and kind of mysterious. Tell mm -hmm. us about your 
weeks there? So yeah, the experience was definitely weird. It was my first Olympics and um, I think Beth and Raj played in Rio and they were on our team. So they, they definitely said it was different with COVID. Just, I, I think the, the worst part of it, I don't wanna say worse, but the worst part was just the logistics of like, we had so many forms. Like I've never signed so many forms in my life. Like I, we were joking, like, I don't know where this info is going, but someone's got all the info. Like if they wanted to take my identity or become me, like they would have it because we <laughs> filled out forms nonstop. And so like, but once we kind of got through the entry process and, you know, flew in, got through the flight, got through all the paperwork of getting there, going through customs. And I think we were able to kind of relax and stuff like that. But I think that was just kind of the most stressful part. And then of course, I think for most of us really, I mean, obviously no fans, but we weren't allowed to go watch other sports. So that was kind of the, the bummer for us because, um, you know, it's only, it's like a possibly once in a lifetime thing to go watch, you know, Simone Biles or um, uh, Katie Ledecky or, you know, any of those people would have been really, really cool because you're never gonna get the chance. So that was just the bummer. But um, I think it's just such a special experience being with a team, the men, the women, being able to support each other, you know, tennis, it's so individual and kind of selfish in that way where you never get to experience that. So that was, that was really fun. And, um, a lot of the gear was nice. We got a lot of really sweet Olympic gear. I think we were actually, that was probably the most exciting part, was trying on like the opening ceremony outfits and getting all the, the really cool USA Olympic gear and closing ceremony outfits. That was pretty fun. So my last question is, you know, now you are one of the people that when the draw comes out, you don't want to play Jesse. <laughs> Who's the one person that sort of gives you a fit where the draw comes out, you're like, oh Lord, please don't let me play her. Whether it's a style thing, not because you're afraid of it, but it's just like a, it's just like a uh, style, yeah, challenging bad matchup, bad matchup. Yeah, um, I would say this year it's been Benchich because she's crushed me twice <laughs> at the Olympics and then at the U.S. Open, and she's always tough for me because we both hit flat, but she like likes my ball and stuff like that. <laughs> and then um, so that's kind of, I like I don't mind the matchup, but it's tough. So that's this year that's been tough and um I would say Cerebus Tormo I actually haven't even played her <laughs> anytime soon <laughs> but I'm always like please don't let me play her and I think that's honestly majority of the girls because I mean obviously she's it's a grind every single time like you're not going home quick <laughs> no matter what it seems like it's always it's always going to be tough and she I mean it's and she's been winning lately too and she's been doing really well so I, I haven't even played her recently. I don't even know if I've, I think I played her once a long time ago, but yeah, she's someone where I, uh, no thanks. No thanks. If I can okay. avoid that, I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the tennis.com podcast. I would like to thank um, one of the hottest U.S. players, American players on tour now, Jessica Pagula, for taking some time out of her day to talk to us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.